Well, if you'll turn your Bibles to John 15, and we're going to look at 7 through 11. John 15, uh, verses 7 through 11. Tonight, what I'd like to talk with you about, excuse me, is lasting joy. Sorry about that. Is lasting joy. And the reason why uh, um, I I entitled this lasting joy is because it doesn't la- the word lasting it's identifying uh, that it doesn't fade. It doesn't identify that it's based upon circumstances, but it's there. It's steady. It's lasting. No matter what we go with, through, no matter what we face, God's joy is lasting. So therefore, because God's joy is lasting, that means that you and I, as children and sons of sons and daughters of God, we have access to lasting joy. And that is a great hope that we have. Because you can get one phone call from a loved one. You can get one phone call from a doctor. You can look at your bank account and all of a sudden joy go right out the door. But that's not joy, that's happiness. Because joy, a good definition of joy is it is the enthusiasm. Look to somebody and say enthusiasm of my spirit when I am in fellowship with the Lord. And so as long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm alive, and God is an everlasting God, okay, and even though I'm not going to be on this earth forever, I can experience joy here, and I can experience eternal joy. Because what makes us alive, what gives us that life, what gives us that hope is Jesus in us by his spirit. So therefore, because God is an everlasting God, his word is everlasting, his spirit is everlasting. Therefore, I have access by the work that he did on the cross to lasting joy. And that's a great hope. That's a great hope. So again, joy is the enthusiasm of my spirit when I am in fellowship with the Lord. As Pastor Todd said, this past uh, Sunday, happiness is based on conditions and joy is based on relationship. Relationship. See, just, uh, I think it was it last Thursday, my days are mixed up, but some friends and I, or my family and I, we went to this comedy, this Christian comedy out of town and we, we laughed. We had a great time. But even though it was just last week, honestly, I am not going to remember those jokes. That laughter is going to fade. I might reflect, you know, there's one, he, some, one of the comedians said something about a cell phone and I laughed five minutes after that joke was told. That was a great joke. Okay. But honestly, that's probably about the only thing that I remember for that night. It was great, had good laughter. Okay. But when I get a phone call about a, a situation, when I get a phone call, Hey, I need help. I'm not going to tell that person, Hey, let me tell you a good joke I heard. Right. Because there's no depth to it. It's surface. But with joy, joy is an exchange. It's an imparting. It is something from within our spirit that comes when we are in fellowship with God. But here's the beauty of it. Not only will it last us, it can hold us, it can strengthen us, but then we can impart it. You understand what I'm talking about? We can impart it. In John 15, 7 through 11, Jesus is speaking. Many of us know, but uh, Jesus is speaking here. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish <clears throat> and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this. 
Jesus is, he's excited. He's excited for you to come to him. He's excited for you to hang out with him. He is most excited to hear your heart, for you to talk to him. Why? Because he's excited about the relational exchange of what is happening in this scripture. It says, by this you will bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is what I want us to get. These things I have spoken to you. So that. Look to somebody next to you. Say, so that. I will continue. So that my joy may be in you. If you'll see throughout other scripture, he talks about the joy of the Lord. But here God is saying, he said, my joy, my joy. There's a difference. And that your joy may be made full. We're going to talk about what is lasting joy. Why has God, why does God have it for us? How can we obtain it? What are the effects of it? Okay. In this scripture, Jesus was speaking of his joy. And encourage and encouraging us what is extended to us by our relationship in him. But here's very interesting. Out of all the discussions that Jesus could have had, because at this point in scripture, he is nearing the cross. At this point in scripture, very soon he's going to be facing Gethsemane. Very soon he's going to be facing betrayal. Very soon, he is going to be facing mocking and spitting. Very soon, he is going to be facing crucifixion. And so some of the last things that he wants to share with the disciples is, listen, you have to abide in me. You have to stay connected to me. You have to come to me. You have to talk to me. You have to hear my word. You have to worship me because you are going to face trials. You are going to face trauma. I am about to do it. You're going to face it. But the way that you can have lasting joy in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the trauma, in the middle of the frustration, is if you are connected to me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Because you're going to get to a place. It's just like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And God has said, I'm right there with you. Lord, I don't understand why this has happened. I'm right there with you. And he's just not going to, you know, this scripture and talking about joy, it's not just, oh, he's going to give you some giggles. No. You are going to have a strength on the inside of your spirit that will change your perspective of the situation, that will change your life, that will change your attitude, and you will be able to stand in my fall. My friends, that is the inheritance that we have access by his kingdom, by his kingdom, by his kingdom. Luke 1, 33, it says, and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. That's extremely important. His kingdom will never end. It's a reminder says, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, he's still on the throne. No matter what is thrown at me, no matter what darts are thrown at my mind, he still loves me unconditionally. Man, the hope 
that we have in Jesus. You know, out of everything that Jesus could have said to his disciples, this is what he was saying. He said, stay connected to me. Stay connected to me talking with me in prayer. Stay connected with worshiping me. Stay connected with reading the word. Because when you do this, you will experience my love. When you do this, you will have the strength to obey me and follow me so that my joy may be in you by my spirit and that your joy may be made full. How is his joy made full? By his kingdom being established and done in our lives. By his kingdom being established and done in our lives. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom, he has a heavenly kingdom, and then he has his kingdom in the hearts of all believers by the spirit of God. See, Dixie, why'd you jump from the joy and why'd you jump from the kingdom? Because we need to know where we live. Because if we don't know where we live, if we don't know our address, if we don't know the owner of our house, we're going to get lost on the journey. And we need to know, oh, I, I know who bought my, I know where I live. I know who's my father. I know who's the owner of my house. It's Jesus Christ by the blood of Jesus. I know who's I, who, that's not a word, who's I am. That's not a word. I know who is taking care of me. And this is very important. Scripture and explaining the kingdom, it says in John 18, 36, Jesus answered, I am not an earthly king. If I were, my fathers would have fought when I was arrested in the Jew, by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. It's eternal, and it's in the heart of believers. It is eternal, and it's in the heart of believers. Let's, let's let scripture back this up. Matthew 6, 10, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because our time is not up here. We're passing. God has a purpose for us. And without the spirit of God, without the hope to say, okay, Lord, how am I going to do this? I abide with you. I connect with you. And as I'm abiding, as I'm connecting with you, the fruits of the spirit, I will experience them in my life. I will experience that love. I will experience that joy. I will experience that peace. I will also experience the self-control not to lose my mind when things around me seem to go crazy. That's the access that we have. You know, it's not just we have an incredible hope whenever we get to heaven. There's peace. There's love. There's joy. But we don't know when that's going to be. So while we're here on this earth, God, I need your peace. I need your love. I need your joy. But how is the world going to see the hope of Jesus? Through us declaring his peace, his love, his joy. You understand what I'm saying? God, Jesus is the hope of the world. But he said, hey, remember, I've given you my spirit. I've given you my joy. Not only do we need to know the, the access that we have into his kingdom, but also, we need to remind ourselves of the responsibility that we have to declare to other people. Does that make any sense? Okay. Um, in Luke 17, 20 through 21, again, I'm laying a foundation for, for where I'm going uh, in this text. In Luke 17, 20 through 21, it says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God isn't ushered in with a visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is among you. It's in you by your spirit. 
determine my purpose. What is that kingdom? Of, what is that kingdom? Is it His will, His word, is being done and established? Just as just as I have access to His love, I have access to His joy. I have access to His security. I have access to His provisions. Because as being a child of God, just as you have access as an American citizen, you got your passport, you got your identification, it gives you the rights and the liberties. You can vote, you can drive, you can do these things. As a child of God, I have access. I have that peace. I have access to that joy. I have access to that provision. Why do, why is this, it's not done to access to say, give me, give me selfish day. Give me, give me, have a selfish, hey, I want it. No, it's there to help me so that I can stand in the middle of this broken world. It's helped me there. It's there. Again, there I go with English. Someone don't grammar check me. It's there to help me to endure. When things just get like, Lord, I don't know what you want to do here. Because if you look throughout all of of uh, the, the biblical characters in history, they had to endure. They had to endure. How were they able to stand? How were they on the road? Were they able to remotely have lasting joys? Because they knew who God was. They knew who they were. They knew that his kingdom is eternal and could not be broken. See, there's wars, wars going on all around us. You know, countries that, that were 20 years ago are not now today. They have different names. And it's easy for someone, you know, to say, okay, which country are you from? If you're from Europe, well, uh, technically, you know, it, it was this, it's not this. But God has said, no, 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 my, my kingdom's not going to be broken. You're not going to have to walk around confused. Where do I go? What do I do? Who's going to be my helper? What is the guarantee, the assurance that I have that I'm not alone? By his blood, by his word, and by his spirit. That alone should give us lasting joy. Lasting joy. You all with me? You understand where we're going? You understand where I'm tracking? Okay, so joy comes by my relationship with him. Sometimes we can make things complicated. Love him. Obey him. And worship him. There's two parts of that worship. You can worship him as you, as, as, you know, by praising him. You can worship him by serving him. Because as you worship him, as you worship him, my Lord, I just love you and I need you. Oh, he will strengthen you. He will. He will break oppression off of you. He will break every lie that the enemy has tried to place on you. He will. He'll even break pride off of you that you didn't even know it was there that was holding you back. He will because he's a good God. But also he'll position you as you serve him. Because when we serve him, he's like, oh, sweetheart. I see, so I'm, I won't, because you're my disciple. What does the word say? We're called, we're created to bear fruit. So, ooh, how do we bear? you got to serve him to bear fruit. you got to serve. Because it's in that moments of those serving, where, whoo, will our character come out and be tried and tested. Why? Because when we serve, we will serve people. It will be for his glory, but everything that God does is always with people. 
Lord, that's when our character will come to service. Our character will, will, will reflect, ooh, are we abiding? Ooh, are we abiding? Because if we're abiding, then we're going to have love and joy and peace. And it will be there last in Does this make any sense to you? All right. So joy comes by relationship. Just look to him. Say, just love him. Just obey him. And just worship him. Just worship him. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he. Look to somebody next to you say, he. I'm going to continue. Will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love. Joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He will. You know, my family, um, as a child, I would get excited. Um, and, you know, as a child, one of my uh, reactions whenever I was excited is I would clap my hands and I'd stomp my feet. You know, I was so excited. You know, so that's what I would do. Well, my family lovingly shared with me that I do the same thing as an adult. And I was like, I do not. And so I was, I was really attentive. You know, if I got, if I got excited, if, it, if something stirred me up and I was enthused about something, you know, and I noticed that when I was around, you know, my family and we were excited. Oh my goodness. I started doing this, you know, and I'm like, well, that seems ridiculous. But then I started thinking how God must be so enthused and excited. When we come to him, oh, they're coming to talk to me. Oh, I'm going to free them with oppression. Oh, I'm going to remind them that I'm still their provider. Oh, I'm still going to remind them that I'm still their healer. He takes great joy and delight when we come to him. And the reason why is because he knows. He knows in order for us to have that love, that joy, that patience, there has to be a relational exchange from his spirit imparted to our spirit. It's by him. It's by him. And one thing that is beautiful about that is that he is the strength. So we don't have to wake up and say, Lord, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to figure this love thing? Because you know I really don't like them. Love, Lord, how am I going to figure out this joy thing? I don't have nothing good to say. Lord, how am I going to figure out this faithful thing? They're no good. Lord, how on earth am I going to figure out this self-control thing? Because they're crazy. You understand what I'm saying? But he said, sweetheart. You come to me. You abide, not in yourself. That's where the problem becomes. Because, boy, we can abide in our minds. We can abide in Facebook. He says, you come to me. And because I love you, because I value you, you have access. This is a part of my kingdom. In my kingdom, there's love, joy, peace. In my kingdom, there's order. In my kingdom, there's freedom. And you have access to that. And I paid a high price so that you could have access to it. So, you know, sometimes whenever you don't feel like Dixie, you don't know what I did yesterday. Boy, the enemy wants to remind us of every wrong thing that we did. Man, 
It's a little stinker. Come on, just begin to. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that I'm forgiven. Ooh, Lord, I'm thanking that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Ooh, Lord, I'm thanking that you are still stirring the pools of Bethesda and I'm healed. Lord, I thank you that your blood cannot be tainted. Lord, I thank you that no one can remove you from the throne. Lord, the enemy wants you to stop clapping. The enemy wants you to stop stomping. The enemy wants you to close your mouth and oppress your mind to where you forget of the very one that is saying, abide with me. Come on now. Come on. Abide with me. Abide with me. Out of all the things that he could have said whenever his time was coming, he said, you got to abide with me. That's the only way you're going to make it. And you're not going to be alone. Even though you're not going to physically see my body, I'm going to part to you my joy. My joy. I think that my joy was they were going to have an awakening of their spirit that they did not have before. Because they saw him physically. And even at one point in time, as Jesus is sharing with them, this is in John 16, he is saying, I'm going to give you my spirit. And he even said, you're not going to understand it now, but you will. Why is he saying that? Because he's saying, listen, I know I'm your advocate. I know I'm, 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 I'm the one that's going to remove your sin. But boy, when I go. My spirit is going to abide with you and you will have direct access to the heavenly father for you to experience the exact joy and the exact strength that I'm experiencing. That is a good God. Amen. Woo! Just, oh, I could just do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So y'all with me? Here we go. So that when times of difficulty come, how do we respond? What do we say? What do we do? I'm going to give you an example. This is what you say. This is what you are. You ready? What do we say when difficulty comes? What do we say when we're faced with a bad report? What do we say? Well, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Come on. Get your abide on. Begin to worship him. Begin to call on his name. Begin to say, God, one of the greatest things you can do is say, God, I don't know how to do this. You say, Dixie, why? Because you step yourself out of the way. And sometimes the biggest issues that I, Dixie, can have is I'm thinking on it without going to the presence of the Lord. He says, what, what are you doing? Just our thoughts alone can take so much time and so much energy. And he's like, Dixie, all that time and that energy that you spent on that, I already had the solution for you in my presence if you would just come. Got it, Lord. I got it. Got it. We see him in Acts 16, 16 through 34. We see three of, there's, there's going to be many effects of joy, but we're going to focus on three right now as the foundation has been laid. When Paul and Silas were in prison, we're going to look at some, some exchanges that they had. The effects of joy that were able to, that was able to come out of their life by them abiding. Okay? 
um, uh, in verse 16, uh, as Paul and Silas had been ministering, uh, there was a woman that was demon-possessed, and um, uh, she was uh, being a fortune teller, and she, and, uh, and she was a slave, too, because uh, her masters used the demonic gifts of her fortune-telling, you know, just as a money pit, just to draw people in. And so when Paul and Silas had been ministering, uh, uh, even the demons recognize the power of God. They just try to take glory for it, but it's not going to happen. Okay. And so, um, uh, and I love in the part of the scripture, it's just so real. Um, let me see where it says, uh, and around midnight, um, no, 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 that's not it. Hold on. Let's move up. It talks about how, uh, Paul, after days of, uh, Paul and Silas had been ministering and after days of her declaring, Hey, you, uh, these are men of God. And, and basically she was, uh, the demonic, uh, spirit in her was trying to take the glory of God. Is that what's what, basically what was happening? And the Bible says in, in Paul's attitude, he says, he just got fed up with it. I just love that because man, when you're a body, you're going to see things for what they really are. And not only are you going to see things for what they really are, but you're going to act in the authority that God has given you by the name of Jesus. And so the Bible says that he just calls it out. You know, he says, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. And then her masters, the owners, they were furious because their their money ticket was no more. So they uh, rallied up um, uh, the police, basically, and officials in town, and uh, and they were like, "Hey, you know, she—they're causing us problems." And so, um, long story short, is they threw Paul and Silas in jail. And so, let's pick off. Let's pick off. Let's begin at uh, Acts sixteen verses twenty-two. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods, wooden rods. They were severely beaten. I would say that they were facing some trials. And when they were thrown into prison, the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So he took no chances but put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praising, praying and singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, don't do it. We are here. Trembling with fear, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with your entire family. Then they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. The same hour, the same hour, the jailer washed their wounds and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Then they brought them into his house and set a meal before them and he and his entire household rejoiced 
because they all believed in God. Now that's a lot of things that just happened in a short amount of time of Scripture. So let's take a look at some of the things. Let's break this down. There are three effects of joy. Here we go. One, I am strengthened. I am strengthened. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Because of the joy, the joy that Paul and Silas experienced, oppression could not keep them captive. No matter where they were, no matter what they faced, no matter what was put on them, no matter how deep that pit was, God said, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. I loved it. God showed them all. God showed them all. Oh, oh, those I don't care how deep that pit is. I don't care how tight those chains are. You're not going to oppress my children. Because when they worship me, I hear them. When they're abiding with me, I'm abiding with them. And I'm going to be there to show up when they need me. See, it was the miraculous. God is not constrained by time or elements or the words of other people. Isn't that so good? Because people, let me tell you something, people can attach, people can criticize us. People can try to attack our name. People can try to dictate to us what our future is. Oh, you don't have that skill. You'll never get that job. Oh, you were sick. Your mama's sick. Your daddy's going to be sick. Everybody in your family is going to be sick. God is saying, stop. I'm not putting that chain on you. I'm not putting that restraint on your mind. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are my son. You are my daughter. I paid a high price so that you could be freed and not oppressed. That's a good word, my friends. That's a good word. So the effects of joy is I am strengthened. I am strengthened. I will be able to stand no matter what I go through. And then this is what's so beautiful because God is an eternal God and his word is an eternal word and his kingdom is his, his eternal kingdom. Just what he did for Paul and Silas, he will do for you and I because there is no time and limit on who he is. Amen. I'm getting myself excited. All right. I am strengthened. One, I'm strengthened because I'm not forgotten. They were in a big pit. It was dark. No one knew them. But oh, they began to know God. Because when we abide and we begin to sing of his name, light will always pierce the darkness. And everybody that is around us, whether they tried to put those shackles on us with negativity, whether they tried to criticize us, mock our name, they will know, oh, I don't know about this earthquake stuff. Oh, I, I, I don't, man, they will see the power of God. They will see in your life as you abide in him. They're not forgotten. Some, something, something's happening there. I can't explain it, but they'll see it. John sixteen thirty three. So I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Come on now. We're not forgotten. We weren't forgotten 2,000 years ago. We're not forgotten now because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can be strengthened by that truth. 
I'm strengthened not only because I'm not forgotten, but I'm also strengthened that I am his. And these circumstances do not define my value. Man, wouldn't it have been so easy in the natural, this is important, in the natural world for Paul and Silas to say, come on, man. How many times I got to be beat? How many times I got to be bruised? How many times I got to go through this? They did not allow their circumstances to determine their value. Because the moment that you and I look at our circumstances to determine our value, we will get our perspective off on the very power and the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. We'll stop calling on his name. We won't go into his presence because we will feel that he has forgotten us. That is exactly the place that the enemy wants you to be. The moment that you begin to contemplate and think and dwell on that you are forgotten, the moment that you are opening the door for oppression to come and rule and reign in your mind. Come on now. That's why 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. You need to post that. You need to declare that over yourself and over your children. It's not only that we have industry, create an atmosphere of strength. Create an atmosphere. Man, when Nehemiah and them were, were on the wall, this just came to me. They had a sword in hand and the word of God. They had the physical strength, but they had the uh, supernatural strength. You know? So I am strengthened because I am not forgotten. I am strengthened because I am his and these circumstances do not define me. I am strengthened because I will not give up. I will endure. I will stand. James 1, 2 through 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Come on now. You know, many times we, we pray to God, God, I want you to use me. God, I want you to do great and mighty things in, in me. And he's like, I'm, I'm trying. But you got to abide in me. I'm trying, but, but your character is not going to stand the very things that I have for you if you're not abiding in me. Because it's not by your strength. It's not by your power. But it is by what? My spirit within you. Come on now. He has, oh, he has tremendous purpose and plan for your life. There is no greater cheerleader. There is no bigger fan. There is no bigger friend than God Almighty on your behalf. But he said, sweetheart, I need you to come on by so that when I promote you, you won't take the glory for it, but you'll recognize that it's me operating. You know? All right. So three effects of joy. One is I am strengthened. Philippians 4, 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ, who, who, which strengthens me. I love the message version of that. It says, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Oh, that's good right there. Isn't that, I'm going to read it again. I got it so excited. Philippians 4, 13, whatever I have. You know, sometimes you got to say things with your head, a little nodding back and forth like that. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Oh, man. Let that joy rest on your mind. 
Well, that's enthusiasm. You can't talk about getting excited. That'll get you excited. So one, three effects of joy. I am strengthened. Two, uh, uh, the three effects of joy. I have a clear perspective. I have a clear perspective. Philippians 4.10, it says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. I have a note here. I have a clear perspective. Let me tell you something. Whenever you have a clear, basically a clean perspective, your perspective will be on things that are eternal. And God will begin to, he'll, he'll direct your energy in what you spend on, what you spend your time and your energy on. Is Does it really matter? You know, um, I have a clear perspective. One, I, I need, we need to have a clear perspective that I'm not alone. You're not alone. We say, Dixie, what, what do you mean? His spirit is there with you. His spirit will guide you. His spirit will speak to you. His spirit will comfort you. Because the moment that we begin to think that we're alone, what are we going to do? We're going to come up with a game plan to resolve the issue. I know I'm right on that one, huh? Isn't that so true? Hold on, give me a moment. I'll figure it out. You know, a couple, uh, um, not a, yeah, I guess it was in, in, um, April, my family and I had gone to DC. And so we had talked, uh, contacted our congressman and, um, uh, to set up uh, different sites for us to see. And so as we're kind of in the tunnel and I forgot I had some liquids on me. And so um, that was a major no-no. So here you go in through security and all the bells are going off. And I'm thinking, what do I have? I had some hand sanitizer with me. And so um, a very stern security guy came over to me and he said, you can't have that. And I'm like, okay, what, whatever is the plan. I'll do it. And so he said, either you go pick, pick, put it uh, up to the congressman's office or the aide can. And so I responded to him, okay, I'll come up with a game plan. And what I was meaning was either I or the aide will go. And he says, no, no, no. I just told you the game plan. Yes, you did. Thank you very much. But the thing about that is, is that even though it was a little community, it was a little communication gap, but God has the game plan. He knows what he's doing. His way, the Psalm says, his ways are holy. His, his plan is perfect. He's got the game plan. So it's important that we know that we're not alone so that we don't begin to look to ourselves to resolve the issue. First Chronicles 28, 2, it says, then David continued, be strong and courageous. And do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged by the size of the task. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Man, we constantly got to remind ourselves of that. Because life and the business, things can happen like that on a dime. And God is saying, I, I, I know. I know it was going to happen. I knew it ahead of time. That's why I'm here with you. I'm not going to fail you. You're not alone. Okay? Also, we need to have a clear perspective that it's not all over. And what I mean by that, when the relationship seems to be so broken, it's unrepairable. 
when the job or the career is just so worn out, you're like, it's, it's just over. I just can't do this anymore. The enemy would want to us, the enemy would want to rob from us that purpose that God has for us. By the busyness of life, by things in our schedule that have changed, by, by disappointments, by things that did not go the way that we would picture. And the enemy would want us to say, it's over. Because the moment that we begin to have a perspective in our life that it's over, we begin to lose our purpose and our value. And we'll give up. We will. We'll give up. But when we're in that lonely, when we're in that pit, we're in that dungeon, the enemy will say, it's your fault. God must have given up on you because you didn't do your best or because you're a failure. No, my friend. We have to have a holy perspective, a clear perspective on his character, on his ways, and who he says we are. I am not alone, and it is not over. Are you tracking with me? I don't care how bad that marriage is. I don't care how falling apart that job seems to be. I don't, it does, and I shouldn't say I don't care. I do care. But it's not over. God is our great hope. You understand what I'm saying? Third John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than that to hear that my children live in the truth. Why is that? Because when it seems to be at the darkest and bleakest moments of our life, the truth is, he will never leave me or forsake me. The truth is, his kingdom and his word stands forever. The truth is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The truth is, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The truth is, call to me and I will answer you. That's the truth. And that will, that will clean up our perspective of the bleak, of the hopelessness and say, yes, there is God and he is with me. You hear me? So three effects of joy. One, I'm strengthened. Two, I have a clear perspective. I have a clear perspective. Uh, Jeremiah 15, 16, it says, your words are what sustain me. They bring me great joy and you are my heart's delight for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Oh, that's good. Your word sustains me. And because your word sustains me, I'm going to look to you, the heavens, where my help comes from. And I'm not going to look at this chaos or on the side of me. I'm not going to let it determine how valued my life is, the direction that my life is, because I know that you will never leave me or forsake, forsake me. Amen? But it also causes us to have that same perspective, not only our lives, but the lives of the one that we love. That's so because the enemy will want this tongue to be used to curse the very ones that we love. Oh, there's never going to change. Oh, the, trust me, they're, they're too far. They're, those shackles are too tight. They're too far in that. They're too far in that. Dungeon. You have no idea what they have done. You have no idea. No, I don't. 
But I know that God still brings earthquakes. Come on, God still breaks those chains. And it doesn't matter what that the depths of, of the, the trauma, the tragedy of that loved one. If we do not have a clear perspective of eternity, we will then begin to see that loved one with all the chaos, confused, the mud, the junk, and everything. And we'll start speak, stop speaking life over them. We're not having an eternal focus. Because in us, we have to have eternal perspective because that's the same perspective that Jesus had for us when he went to the cross. He didn't say, oh my goodness, you're not going to, oh, they're just hopeless. They're hopeless. These children of mine. But no, he wants us to have the same perspective that he did for us on the cross, for us to carry that perspective and to hope for our loved ones. Do you understand? That's so vital. Because God might use you to be the light in the darkness to that very loved one. And it's going to, it, it, you even thinking about the person's name, it'll just, it'll make your skin crawl to say, Lord, send somebody else. I don't have any more love. He says, have you been abiding in me though? Because maybe he's wanting to call you to go offer love, to send them a text. Hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, we're the hope. We are, Jesus is the hope. And we are his vessels that he uses. You understand? So one, three effectives of joy. I'm strengthened. I will have a clear perspective. And then in closing, I will have a good attitude. Three effects of joy. In order for me to have a good attitude, Psalm 104 through 5 begins to close it in. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is, come on, everybody say it. Come on, say it like you mean it. For the Lord is, I'm going to continue, his unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. I will have a good attitude when I consistently praise him. I enter into his courts. And whatever criticism, whatever negativity, whatever tainted and wrong perspective that I am having, speaking over myself, speaking over the situation, speaking over loved ones or coworkers, when I go and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to abide. I'm going to sing of your goodness. We begin to cultivate the presence of the Lord in the atmosphere. And every mountain of oppression, every mountain of discouragement, every mountain of doubt must bow in his presence, my friends. That's why we got to go and abide with him. It's like, you know what? You want to have joy? Go and worship him. You want to be strengthened? Go and worship him. Come on. You know, one of the number one things that the enemy wants is he wants your bow. He wants your knee. Refuse your bow to the enemy and worship God. Because he knows, the enemy knows, oh my goodness, when they begin to say the name of Jesus, the mountains that I'm trying to pour on them are going to melt like wax. The oppression that I try to bring to them will not be able to stand, will not be able to stick to them. 
Come on, don't let the enemy get your bow. Okay? Psalm 34, 1 through 3, it says, I will praise the Lord all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are discouraged take heart. Come and let us tell the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. In order for you and I to have an attitude correction, we need to have a heart change. Go and worship him. Because just as you have to choose to abide, you choose the attitude in which you're going to have. Okay? So I will have a good attitude when I continually praise him. I will have a good attitude when I recognize and reject unforgiveness. And I will not allow bitterness and griping and and complaining to come out of my mouth. James 3, 14 through 16 says, But you, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. We really have to ask. I love in the psalm where it says, Psalm 51.10, David is speaking. He said, God, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey. Willing to obey. When we go and we abide with the Lord, his graciousness, his gentleness, his long-suffering, begins to point out, hey, hey, the reason why you don't have joy, the reason why you have that oppression operating, you got some unforgiveness. You got some, man, you got some bitterness. Allow me to reveal it to you so that you can use the authority that I have given you by my name and by the blood of Jesus to reject it and to not let it abide illegally in your home and in your heart. See, when we go and abide with him, yes, he has lasting love, lasting joy, lasting peace. But if there's some corrosion and erosion in our heart, because he's a good father, he reveals it to us. And only he can reveal that to us. So one, I will have a good attitude when I can can consistently praise him. I will have a good attitude when I recognize and reject any unforgiveness and bitterness from operating in my life. And one, I will have a good attitude. And this is more of uh, an application. Is joy in your spirit is contagious. And it draws people to you because their souls hunger for the joy in their life that comes from the Lord. So when the fruits of the Spirit are operating in our lives, the way that God has created and called us uh, for them to produce, favor will rest upon us. The Word says in Proverbs 8.35, For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Romans 14, 17 through 18, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, 
but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and other people will approve of you too. Many times we're asking, God, I need your favor. God, I need your peace. God, I want you in my life. My friends, you just abide. Abide. Talk to him. Speak to him. Place him as that priority in your life. And he will reveal things that are hindering you from receiving his favor and others' favor. He will reveal things to you that are causing cracks in relationships that you might not even know that were there due to responses or due to thinking. All of these, all of these effects of joy are coming from us abiding, coming from us worshiping Him, coming from, He strengthens us, He loves us, and He values us. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you, Lord. say he's a good God? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you say, Dixie, I'm going through some trials and I'm just weary. Trials, tragedy, and trauma are not limited to people outside of God's kingdom. But in God's kingdom, sometimes we get hit the most because we know the effects of how we will destroy darkness if we abide. So the enemy says, I can't. I can't let them know their purpose. I can't let them know that they can abide because they know when they abide, they're going to find lasting love. When they abide, they're going to find lasting joy. So he bombards us with oppression. He bombards us with doubt. He bombards us with lies. And God is saying, but I am here. If you come to me, I will love on you. I will restore that relationship. I will strengthen you. Your mind, your soul, and your spirit. He just wants us to abide. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you say, Dixie, I don't, I don't know of this joy that you're talking about. I don't even have a relationship with God right now. That's the first place you need to begin, my friends. If you say, Dixie, I need that forgiveness of sin. I need my heart clean. I need to begin a relationship with God. And I want to do that now. If that's you, just raise your hand because that's the first place for us to begin. Thank you. Thank you. If you would just repeat this prayer, let's just do a heart check. Say, Lord, here I am. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Point out anything in me that offends you. Help me, Jesus, to worship you with my life so that I can experience 
the joy, the lasting joy that you have for me in the name of Jesus. Guys, he loves you. He values you. And the lasting joy will influence your life and impact your life and strengthen your life for it will never be the same. Your life is not over. You have something to offer. Just come to Him. Abide with Him. And let Him speak to you and show you what that is. Amen. We'll pray a blessing over you. Then we're going to dismiss. If you say, Dixie, I need some prayer. There'll be some, some leaders, some pastors up here. We'll gladly walk with you and pray with you. Because you're not alone. He loves you. Oh, how He loves you. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. He loves you. He loves you. He has not forgotten about you. You are not a mistake. You are not a failure. Hope is not lost. He loves you. Father, I thank you right now for each person here. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the truth in your word, for the power that is in your word. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that your word would establish them, increase the measure of their faith, create a greater hunger in them, Father, to abide, reveal your purpose and your plans for them, Help them, Jesus, to walk in divine help and divine favor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We love you guys. Abide in them. You have a wonderful night.